Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Saturday, January 29th, 2022. Have you ever had one understanding about Scripture that you come to realize, well, the way I'm understanding this verse is not even close to what it really means? As we continue on in the Sermon on the Mount, we come to a passage that was like that for me personally. As we look today at Matthew 5, 17 through 48, and Luke 6, 27 through 36. And near the beginning of the passage in Matthew, those first few verses are an interesting section. Let's look at them together. Jesus says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, that last verse in particular, I was, I always understood, and I think even in some places was taught, you know, that the point of this verse is that you can't be righteous because your righteousness can't exceed the scribes and the Pharisees. So you, you can't, you're never going to make it to heaven and you need a savior. You need Jesus. Well, th- there is a level on which That's true. Romans 3 helps us see no one will be justified by the works of the law. We're only justified as a gift from God through a righteousness that comes by faith in Christ. That's the gospel. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. However, I don't think that's really the point that Jesus is trying to get across in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 20. And the reason I came to see that was really one simple question. Were the scribes and the Pharisees righteous? Especially, did Jesus think or did Jesus teach that the scribes and the Pharisees were righteous? No, that's like an all caps no. That's like a no with a couple exclamation points. No, Jesus didn't think the scribes and the Pharisees were righteous. So while, of course, we understand we cannot be justified by the works of the law, we're justified through faith in Christ, um, God is calling his people. And that's really this Sermon on the Mount. He's really giving direction. This is what my people are going to look like. And he's saying, my people, they're going to have a different kind of righteousness than the scribes and the Pharisees. Because the scribes and the Pharisees have a hypocritical righteousness. The, The scribes and the Pharisees are phonies. And my people are not going to be phonies. The people that are justified by faith in Christ will be different. And that's really what goes on then in the rest of this 
uh, section, really throughout the rest of chapter five, you're going to see so many times you have heard it said, but I say to you, right? He's going to come back to that again and again and see a lot of that as a continuation of that idea of your righteousness has to exceed that of the scribes and Pharisees, because Jesus is teaching that they need a righteousness really that's going to come from the inside out, not a righteousness that is based on externals, not a righteousness that's based on hypocrisy, but a righteousness that comes from the heart. I mean, think of what we read in the Beatitudes just yesterday, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. That's the kind of people Jesus is calling us to be. We really want righteousness, not just the appearance of righteousness, but we want righteousness. And that's where also we need to realize that the law, so to speak, has multiple uses really when it regards faith and Christianity. Even as you read through all of these things, there should be a conviction that, whoa, I'm a murderer. I'm an adulterer. Even if I've never, according to what we would think of as the normal definitions, committed murder or committed adultery. But if I've been angry, if if I've lusted, then, then I'm guilty. And there is a sense in which that this passage should point out the impossibility of us working out uh, and, or earning our own salvation. We can't do it because we're murdering, adultering liars, right? That, that's what we're going to see and be convicted of. And that is one use of the law to show us our need for Christ. But as those who have been forgiven, those who have put our faith in King Jesus, this really is now how he is calling us to live. And we, we seek to do it not to earn our salvation, but because now we want to honor King Jesus. Now we, we see even sin is bad. I don't want any part of it. He has set me free from that. I want to live in the freedom to which King Jesus has called me. And so hopefully that helps us understand something that I often didn't understand growing up, but even think of the last verse of Matthew chapter five, when it says, you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. And yes, there is a level that reminds us, I am not perfect. I need a savior because I will never meet that standard. But now as someone who has been redeemed, that is the, the goal I'm aiming for, not to earn my salvation, but in the freedom of walking in Jesus Christ. I mean, how similar is that to First Peter chapter 1? Be holy as I am holy. That, that is the call that we should spend the rest of our lives seeking, hungering and thirsting after righteousness, for you will be satisfied. And even just as that all is background, then you can also dig into the specifics today. You can dig into really, okay, some of these specific things. What's going on in my own heart? Am I being angry with other people? Uh, because I can't just settle for, well, I haven't murdered anybody or I haven't, you know, hit or assaulted anybody. So I'm good. Well, not that's not God's standard. Or, you know, hey, yeah, I haven't, um, I haven't committed adultery. I haven't looked at any pornography. I'm good. Well, okay, well, what's going on in your mind? What's going on in your heart, right? These are things that God is calling us to examine. You know, I, I have told any outright lies. Okay, but are you really a person of your word? And then I also would encourage you to really spend some time thinking about those last couple sections. And we see those really reiterated in Luke. As you look at Luke um, 27 through 36. And that's where I think if 
reading the end of Matthew 5 and Luke uh, 6, 27 through 36, if there's not a level at which that makes us uncomfortable, we're probably not grappling with the text as deeply as we should. As it says in Luke 6, 27, but I say to But I say to you who hear, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic also. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from the one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. And so there, one thing I think we're tempted to do a lot when we come to a a passage that's really kind of intense like that is we want to go through and find out everything that those verses don't mean. What is this? Is this saying that if somebody robs my house, I can't press charges? No, I, I don't think that's exactly what this verse is, is saying, but don't spend all of your time saying, well, what is this not saying? Lean into what is this saying to me? Because this is telling you to love your enemies. This is saying, pray for those who uh, persecute you. Pray for those who abuse you. What does that mean? And I think sometimes if we focus on just, well, what does that not mean? We'll miss really what God is trying to lead us to because what Jesus is teaching here, there's no way around it. It's radical. Um, And I love how it goes on in Luke. He's saying, you know, even the sinners love the people that love them. Even Even the world can do good to the people that do good to them. But loving our enemies, praying for those who persecute us, that is an inherently and uniquely godly Christian thing. And God is calling us to lean into that. So maybe you need to think through some of your relationships, some of your situations, and say, how can my life reflect really just the radical mercy that Jesus describes in this passage? And if I'm being honest, that I know Jesus has shown me. Lean into that. What does that mean? Because God is calling us to something great. God is calling us to imitate him and imitate his character from the inside out. He's really calling us to live a life and a righteousness that is way beyond what the scribes or Pharisees were really living. And while we acknowledge, I need righteousness that comes from Christ, Christ is also teaching us how to live out that righteousness that he has given us. And that should be something, well, that Jesus said we should hunger and thirst for. Let's briefly now touch on our Old Testament reading today, chapter 33. Really, we see uh, an example of God's faithfulness that clearly Jacob was afraid of Esau, but we see God has worked in the situation. Uh, God has provided this to actually be a, a joyful reunion of brothers, even though there was some serious wrongdoing in the past. Uh, chapter 34 uh, is an interesting story. You know, it doesn't really tell us the the moral of the story, but we see Dinah, one of the daughters of Jacob, uh, really be raped. And then we see two of her brothers, Simeon and Levi, really take things into their own hands and, and they kill this whole group of men. And it's really interesting. You see, those men were not good men. They were, they were wicked men. I mean, Shechem had defiled Dinah. And then even as they 
you know, go through the motions of getting circumcised. Look at they're telling their whole town saying, hey, all their stuff is going to be ours. Basically, we're just going to subsume this, this wandering family and see all that wealth that they have, you know, see all, all the, the, the women that we could marry. Oh, it's all going to be ours, right? They have nefarious plans. Um, now, that does not mean that what Simeon or Levi did was right. And I think even considering what we just saw Jesus teach is not right. I don't know that we see Jacob really responding rightly in defense of his daughter in all of this or in correction of his sons. So kind of an interesting passage um, that we see there. But then things pivot to chapter 35, where really kind of God reaffirms again the promises to Jacob. And again, we should see that as an act of the mercy of God. And one thing is he goes to Bethel and that remember is where he saw the vision on his way out of the promised land on his way to Laban's. And now that he has returned, he goes again to Bethel. And one thing that stood out to me uh, was just how he describes God in chapter 35, verse three, then let us arise and go up to Bethel so that I may make there an altar to, now listen to this, the God who answers me in the day of my distress and has been with me wherever I have gone. Is that the way you would describe God? And are you looking to him on the day of your distress? Because that is, I think, an accurate depiction of the character of God. And I hope something that all of us can say personally as believers, that that we can think of God as the one who answers me in the day of my distress and the one who has been with me wherever I have gone. And so we can trust that God, and as believers who have been redeemed and given righteousness by that God, we want to be the people that that live that out from the inside out, the pure in heart. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, and may God grow us more and more into His likeness as we seek to apply and seek Him in all of these things. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.